Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFauve. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey guys, welcome back to The Screenwriting Life. Today we're talking about analysis paralysis or overthinking or getting yourself unstuck. The topic today came to us um, on a question from our Facebook page and it's something we suspect that every artist has dealt with at some point in their life. And the questioner was Kendall. Just shout out to Kendall for this great question. Uh, But before our topic, we're going to talk about our weeks or what we call adventures in screenwriting. Lorian, how was your week? My week was fine. Great. So easy. Nothing interesting happened. (laughs) Um, Work-wise, let's see. I'm working on a pitch on some IP. And when I delivered my take, to the company that I'm working with. Um, I kept it very high level in terms of character and I sort of made more of a suggestion of the pilot because I wanted to like, here's my take of the world and what it's about and here are the characters. And I didn't want to to take like 25 minutes. I just wanted to be like, here's a 12 minute pitch. Do you like this? And so they were on board and then we're like, okay, great. We need to know what the pilot is. So I worked on the pilot this week and what I discovered, you know, I'm actually writing it you know, you write, I'm outlining it and I'm very detailed. And I realized there were some ideas I had in the pitch that don't work so well when I'm actually writing the pilot, you know, who a character is when they know what they know. So I had a lot of fun uh, trying it multiple different ways. What if it's this? What if it's this? What if it's this? And just sort of playing. And uh, it was a great break from my real life to sort of dive into playing in that space and to give myself freedom to just let go of what I'd already pitched to them. And then this morning I pitched them the pilot and I started with, so you know how I pitched you this? It's different now. So let's go along on this ride. (laughs) And of course they were open to it, right? It wasn't like they were attached to that particular idea. So all I had to do was communicate, right? And what I, what I wanted to do, I didn't get stuck with, I already told them this, you know, because if they responded to that in a way like, well, we really like that, I could go back and say, okay, well, let me go rework it, right? Not every meeting with somebody is the meeting and it has to be right. You know, I got notes, now I have to go back and sort of do some more exploration and digging around. But the good news is they generally like the shape of the pilot (laughs) and what I was trying to do. So now I can go back and put that into the pitch, change the things and Like I've talked about before a lot on the show, I tend to get very into the details. So I need to zoom up big and go focus on character, focus on character, focus on character through the whole thing. Everything is about character Um, because once I did a pitch and after I pitched it, the uh, note was that was very thorough, (laughs) which means too plotty, too plotty, too long, too much plot, too long. That that means somebody is listening to it like this. Uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. I get it. You don't want that. Yeah. You want to keep them emotionally involved. But that was my favorite note. My second favorite note under well told is that was very thorough, um, which is hard when you're doing a genre pitch because you have to set up the world and, you know, it's a thematics and all that kind of stuff. The other thing I realized this week is I'm on draft 457,000 on this pilot I'm writing. And I got a note from my manager that was about one line. And I deconstructed the whole thing and rewrote it like from like page one rewrite. And I rewrote all the stuff, I wrote everything. Basically the whole point of the show I called into question. What is this? Is this even worth writing? This is trash. Why did I even write this in the first place? And then I, Meg, did I talk to you? I think I talked to you. And I was yes, like, she did. yeah. And I was like, what? And you were like, change the line and then do the one note, move this one thing. And I was like, oh, okay. Now, normally when you get a big note or a small note, it's a good idea if you're in draft seven to reinvestigate the whole thing. What's the note under the note? But there is a point where you get a line note 
just do the fucking line. Right? That's <laughs> yeah. all. Especially when you're on drugs. That's all. 25 and yes. they're ready to go. They're ready to send it out. Yes. I'm My manager same. is ready to send it out. He was like, I need this line to be clarified. Is she being a ding dong or is she being offensive? And then I let that sort of unravel, you know, everything. Now, to be like, fair to you, and I don't even know if you ended up doing what you and I talked about and if it worked or not. I but did. To be fair to you, there was an instinct that it wasn't just the line. Yes. Now, the, the instinct then immediately tanked into it's the whole thing, right? Where Versus it's just trying to grab it and say, well, I have an instinct is not just this line. What could it be? What, you know, it's, it was just talking out. What is it he actually is looking for? And what's the quick, is there a quick fit? Yes. And there was, you just had a scene in the wrong place. Yes. Like, and right? what I did realize too, is the line was hard to understand because I, the writer was being smart when I wrote it. I wanted the reader to know, oh, she's smart, but it was too buried right? I was so smart about it. Look at me. I know literature, blah, 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 blah. That like, you didn't know what the character was after, but most importantly, I didn't know what I wanted my main character to respond to what would beat her up the most. Right. So I was like, why, why is it important that this character is either offensive or an idiot? Uh, and what drives the main character the furthest into the next place. So that's what I had to investigate. So yes, there was more than just fix the line, but I did let it tank me, right? That overthinking thing that we're talking about, right? And I don't know that I gained what you usually gain when you dig into a line, right? You dig into a line, you rip everything apart, you go, oh, this is what it is because nothing else changed. I just moved one scene. <laughs> But you know, you, know so you can you can fix a whole movie movie one scene. I mean, you know, the folklore is that that opening of Nemo was in the middle of the movie and the whole movie didn't work because he was so annoying, that fish. And Lee Unkrich just moves it to the front and the whole movie goes click because now he's not annoying because we understand why he's annoying because he's scared and we're scared too. I mean, and the same for um, Raging Bull is the, is the, is the myth that until they put that scene at the front and gave context and a narrative question, the movie didn't fully work until you literally have the narrative question. Wait, 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 how did this guy turn into that guy? Like what, how does this kind of old- And my pilot is boxer... exactly yeah. in the same category as Raging Bull and Finding Nemo. I just want everyone to know. <laughs> well, it is. That it is that caliber. I'm just I am, saying moving a scene can be huge. It can be huge. It can have huge anyway. impact. So I feel like I navigated one thing fairly well and the other I let tank me, right? Like, I feel like maybe because the, the pilot thing happened earlier, I was able to like, oh, right, I'm just going to pitch what I have and see how it goes that like, I don't have to beat myself up. And I didn't right. have all the answers in the pilot, but I had to pitch it, right? Like I, I couldn't just sit because you got to go fast. This whole project for me has been, I got that I had the meeting, I will pitch in a week. I can't get to write the pilot. I'll pitch in a week. I can't spend three weeks, a month working on these things in between meetings because you lose a sense of urgency for your me. I lose a sense of urgency driving forward. And then the, the, the execs might be like, all right, she's not delivering, you know, you're going to find that balance of I'm doing the work. It's good. And here we go. You know, let's, you don't want to put the burden of them fixing it on, on, put the burden of what I say, put the burden of them fixing it. Right. You want to bring it, but you also need to allow for the fact that it might not be perfect. Um, that you've, did, you've it's done your never best. going to be perfect. Right. Right. Never. It's never going to be perfect. And you even will always you get make notes, it no matter what, after you no matter what. It. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That's what's funny yeah. though, is that feels like such a catastrophe when it's not in the moment. I mean, like I've been going through, still in post, going through color on the movie and it's like one scene is wrong. And for some reason, my brain says the whole movie is fucked. Like it's one scene where the explosion Just fix the fucking scene. I know. How about I'm, that? I know. And it was like, it took me a day until I was like, oh my gosh, it's fine. But for some reason watching it, I think because it was supposed to be done the one scene is off and I'm 
in my head, I'm back at square one years ago writing the script and I need to just fix the scene. So I'm identifying with what you're saying, but it feels like such a catastrophe in the moments when it's happening to you, you know? That's that old amygdala, yeah. fight, flight, or freeze, turns on. Yeah. Jeff, how yeah. was your week? It was good. I, I'm watching this show Severance, um, which is like, I feel like going to be the new hot show probably in two or three months when people catch on. But it's a show from Ben Stiller, who's directing it. Um, excitedly, it's this kind of new unknown writer who just wrote this amazing spec. And it's been shopping for a while. But um, that, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I feel like this show is teaching me some lessons. Um, first of all, I think it's important to be watching something if you can that you're really excited about because it can make you there's sort of a threshold if I watch something that's really good sometimes it demotivates me to write because it's too good and I think I'll never be that good but occasionally when something crosses that threshold and you love it so much it can feel very inspiring because it, you want to create something great too so and also just to be on top of the landscape so you can have things to talk about at meetings just it's a reminder to our listeners to if you want to write tv like make sure you're also watching it um, but the thing with severance that I'm loving that I think is a big lesson for me is just the power of a really strong, high concept idea. I'm thinking about that Matt Lieberman episode where he talked about how an idea can take you really far if it's strong enough, you know, in a log line or a pitch. And the premise of severance for those who haven't seen it is it takes place in a world much like our own where this shadowy corporation called Lumen, um, offers this surgery to its employees where employees can opt in to getting brain surgery where they have a chip put in their brain where while you're at work, the only life you know is your working life. And when you leave work, the only life you know is your home life. So we talk about fantasy and wish fulfillment. And in some ways that sounds great. Like what if I could turn off work when I leave? And what if I only know my work life while I'm there? But of course, as the show should, it explores the horrors of what that would actually look like. Um, but with such a strong premise, you can just feel the excitement of the writer's room. You can feel how a million of these subplots spun off just based on the power of a really, really good idea. So I think just remembering to focus on strong, high concept ideas that can be so generative has been a great reminder for me as I'm getting back to the page. And, um, you know, the power of a good idea, like I mentioned, this writer was kind of an unknown, you know, he doesn't even have a ton of staffing experience, but he's show running right now. Um, because the script was so hot when it was shopping a while ago. So just just as a reminder, if you want more on this, go back and listen to our Matt Lieberman episode. But Severance is really fun. And if anyone is watching it, I need someone to talk about it with. So you can connect with me on the Facebook page. <laughs> you guys can have a subgroup on the Facebook page. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm and also, yeah. This, this guy who wrote this show, he could have also sold a bunch of pilots, right? Like even if it's not on IMDb, right? We don't know who he is. He could have yeah, been in right. the industry for a long time, selling shows. He's, he's known, you know, he could be, I don't know. Who Jeff, is, we'll get him on the show. I'd yeah. be great. Yeah. It's funny though, even yeah. his, manage, his management bio, like on his website, he's like a great management company, but it's really brief. It's like in 2016, he sold the show and now he's show running. So it's interesting. I don't know. It's, you're Let's right. Lauren. We never know someone's career, but just, it's a reminder. Be, be thinking about what makes your pilot so like, you know, and sometimes it's a great idea. So. Now the opposite end of that spectrum is I'm watching Julia, mm -hmm. which is not high concept. I mean, it has a concept, all shows do. I'm not saying it doesn't, but it's super character-based. And imagine taking on the character that Meryl Streep did. You know, part of me was like, why? Like when I heard the ads, I was like, why do this? Um, and the first episode is often is the case is a little bit slow and you're kind of, I'm, I wasn't quite clicking in and I was like, well, I'm going to give it one more. And I love it so much. I, this, this actress is amazing in terms of, I just want to I just want her to be on screen. I just want to know what she's thinking. I just want to hear her laugh. I just want to see her, you know, deal with all of these 1960s men who have to think it's their idea and she's just gonna make it happen. Um, and she's just, a, I just love her. As, I, like, I wish she could be my friend. You know what I mean? Like, and, uh, and I love all the, I love all the women in it. I love what they're exploring. Um, I'm checking, you know, the, the episodes I'm in now are written and directed by women. I don't know how it started. I don't know enough about it, but I love it. And it's not high concept. It's all about the character. It's all about the character and how the show is really, which I think is super important. It doesn't have to be this way, but 
maybe because it is a high concept, it really has picked its main core relationship. That does not mean there's tons of relationships in this show, right? And we're not even always with her. We're with other women around her and suddenly there are subplots and what's happening. But really the show always comes back to the marriage and how the marriage is gonna handle this new iteration of her life and who she is when she should be in retirement. Like they're moving into retirement and suddenly she's becoming a star. And what happens to the marriage as that happens? And um, so it's so beautiful because it's kind of what they really want you to, and they're doing a good job, care about, even as it's starting to get rocky. Um, and I think that's important too, to think about for your TV shows. You know, like as I, I always think back to Grey's Anatomy and all those amazing characters, but really, didn't we just love that core female friendship at the middle? You know, you're my person, right? It, it, it keeps a, a deep, deep rudder underneath all of that wonderful, juicy stuff. Um, so that's just something to think about. All right. So my week, um, I'm still in the old, uh, you know, do this rewrite. I'm still in the rewrite. Uh, I'm not going to say hell. I'm going to say happy place it's not really I mean I challenge challenge I don't know it should be fun and I don't know why my brain is just beating me up about it um but it is and that's the way it is and I'm just you know I'm I'm still you know going through that process of laying laying down all the pieces and because I know in my head that I have to get to act three to know what act one needs and yet laying down pieces that aren't fully working or aren't also use the word perfect or, you know, it's hard. It's hard to just be like, Oh, let's just keep going. And I don't kind of, does that work? Is that unique enough? Is that good enough? Is that funny enough, smart enough, a juicy way to do it. And sometimes it's valuable to stop and say, okay, wait a minute, this is two ABC. I just already know that it's two ABC. What would be the, you know, the, use the Cone brothers. What would be the craziest, most fun thing that could happen right now? But because it's a rewrite and there are, it's not just me, there are other people involved. People are expecting certain pieces. So I think that's why it becomes more challenging because I can't just, it's not my own to just take off and go that direction because that would be the juiciest thing to happen. But the, I really do need to write towards things. Does that make sense? Like I have to write, towards that next sequence I, or scene. I have to write towards this arc that everybody's agreed on. I have to work towards that this is the antagonistic force that everybody's agreed on. And you're, and it's trying to balance the fun, creative inspiration, unconscious juice that needs to come up and writing towards something. <laughs> and it's what it is, is it's tiring. I'm not gonna say it's hell or not fun, but it is tiring. It's a different kind of tired um, because I am in a weird way having to use the analysis brain and the inspiration unconscious creative brain at the same time, or at least go back and forth. Let's just call it toggling because I don't even know if in your brain neural, you could do that at the same time, but you're toggling back and forth um, between the two. Um, so it's just, I'm, I'm kind of down in that. I really, you know, talk about analysis paralysis. It's kind of, you know, well, that was fun, but what does that have to do with her arc? Nothing. What does that have to do with where I need to get? Now they're in the completely wrong place. I didn't even do the relationship that we were supposed to be doing here. Crap. But do I keep it? Do I go back? I guess we're going to go back. Um, and again, because it's not just me, that helps because you can throw it uh, to the other person and be like, what do you think? Or they can see something and that's very invigorating. But um, I don't know. I am, whenever I get in this part of the rewrite stage, I'm always like, I can't wait to be alone. And it's anything that I want it to be. And then of course I'm alone and I'm like, where is everybody? I need somebody to toss this to. I need somebody to help me. Can anybody see this? I'm all by myself. Like I'm never satisfied. I'm a writer. Therefore I'm never satisfied. Um, I think what you said, um, it's supposed to be fun. Artists, writers, we have this idea that because our work is like imagination and we come up with ideas and that's the fun part, but there is also this work part, right? That's the craft, the collaboration, the solving problems. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we say it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be work. It, 
because it doesn't fall within the norms of a sort of uh, the work paradigm in America or anywhere in the world, right? Like you go to a job, you work, you solve problems, you go home, right? Jeff, what you were talking about with severance, right? But like our, our work, our journey with this career is much more um, our whole life. And it's right? so unique, right? Like it's so unique filmmaking or TV creation in terms of all the creatives involved in it, actors, directors, because even if we were a different kind of artist, uh, a fine painter, a potter, um, a textile artist, I think, and you guys should write in and tell me if this isn't true, you do, you do, you do you. You go do your painting, you, you, you create, and then you see, okay, where's the market? I'm not saying that that part doesn't happen, but I would not think you would create, like I love that in, in the Jackson Pollock biopic, and he's like, what, you're telling me to put more blue in there? Like, what are you talking about? You don't get to tell the painter, you don't get to tell Jackson Pollock, there's not enough blue in there. Like that, he's Jackson Pollock, like he's gonna go do it and he's gonna get stuck and he'll have to do his own creative artistic thing, but it's not, this is such a business. It's, and you know, that's almost a cliche, right? But it does, it does affect how you're writing because I do sometimes, like write a scene and then be like, wait a minute. And I can hear the executive in my head or the director mm -hmm. or whoever thinking that's not, that's not good enough. Like, how is that equal to a Marvel movie or whatever? Like, that's not cool enough. That's not what crap. Like, and, and I do it's, it's, it is part of my job to deliver the character, deliver the emotion, deliver the relationships and make it fun and cool and whatever else genre things that are happening that it is at a level that these guys who read all of the big writers in this genre do. Are you meeting it? Have you hit it? And it's like, well, but this is what I'm talking about. I still have to write the shitty like version of it first because I got to get all the pieces out to see if the long arcs are even working, are the relationships, can, does it, is it moving towards this narrative reveal? Are we gonna feel that reveal? And then I'm like, and by the way, this isn't cool. And this isn't that, right? I get, but again, I have a lot of people, I'm very lucky to jump in and and uh, do it the cool way. Um, but it's, it's a, just, I think it's that expectation in my brain of that business part um, with the creative and it's such a unique, it's such a good point, Lauren. It's such a unique job. Um, yeah. and I don't think fully, um, appreciated again, I, I feel appreciated, but I know friends who, and I read other writers on Facebook and I think, gosh, this is, this is, this is high skill, man, on so many levels to be a writer in Hollywood. Um, but uh, yeah. so yeah. Uh, well, this is kind of what we're talking about too, analysis, yes. analysis is, is a good bridge. But Jeff, before we do that, do you want to do reviews? I do, yeah. I'll do a couple just to uh, honor our fans, our wonderful community. Okay, that'll, that's, I can do it if we're honoring our fans. Yes, I'm going to start with, um, well, before I dive in, just so you all know, one of the best ways you can help the show is by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We're almost at 600 reviews. Actually, I'll be a little more conservative. We're almost at 550 reviews. And this is the year we're gonna hit a thousand. So it really means a lot when you guys write in and what you're doing for us is you're helping promote the mission of our show. We've always been a missional show. And so writing a review um, helps other people find the show because it bumps up our show in the algorithm. Um, I'm gonna start with a five-star review from Dosi Apfen, who says all the feels, Meg and Lorian share their screenwriting journey as well as their roadmaps and invite everyone to come along for the ride. TSL is for emerging writers, experienced writers, dormant writers, hungry writers, or any human being who strives to tell a great story and occasionally feels lost. When I'm flummoxed, dinged, or daunted, I turn to TSL for comfort and Megan Lorian's company and their practical advice for how to push through to the next mile. How great is that review? That's such that's a good great. review. Thank you. Thank I think you. It's so good to have writers as our I audience. Know. That's what's so fun <laughs> is like, every podcast reads reviews, but usually it's like, love the show, drink coffee while listening. And all of our reviews are like a novel. It's like so lovely. All right. <laughs> um, Happy Unicorn well, let says- Let that intimidate you. I know, From yes. leaving a review, please. You we, can I've literally heard from just, a couple people yeah. who've been like, I don't want to leave a review because what if you guys read it? No. And I'm just, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. Anything. You can Great. leave. And the good news is 
if you're leaving a five-star review, it doesn't matter what you write because you've already endeared yourselves to us so much. We're going to love it. The studio is yeah. going to love Although your review. Now, <laughs> now I would like people to leave a review that says, love the show, drink coffee while you while listen. <laughs> we'll figure out how many we tally up of those. Yes. If you <laughs> or wanna, or yeah. to, please do the review and tell us what you drink while you listen. Yes. Ooh, that's or eat. Are you that's eating good. chips? What are you doing? That's a great point. Yes. I don't want to shame anyone out of not leaving a review. Um, all right. Uh, Happy Unicorn says, you are not alone. You say it at the end of each episode. And for me, I feel it to be true. This podcast has been the support and inspiration I've needed to push myself to finish my most recent script and show Bible. I had been using a free trial software, allowing myself to splurge and buy the real version when I got to the 50 page mark. But through a tech snafu, I lost the entire 50 pages in the upgrade and had to start over from scratch. I don't know if I would have had the perspective to just start over if I hadn't been listening weekly to your show. Did I sob? Absolutely. But honestly, I didn't feel like I was alone and that's thanks to you. Oh, wow. Oh, unicorn. I, I, I would love you to tell us if you're on the Facebook page, you know, what happened? Did it, how was it to rewrite it? Did it come back? Was it better? Did you get, did you discover new things by rewriting it? Um, oh, I'd love, I, I just feel like I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm so curious. I, know, yes. I love happened? this story. I love this story. And congratulations. Congratulations <laughs> that you redid it. That's yeah. the way to go. Just do it. Just redo yeah. it. Um, yeah. And now Jeff, before we jump off reviews real quick, I have mm -hmm. also seen on Facebook, some people saying, if I can figure out how to leave a review. Can you just explain to people how to leave a review in case? Yeah, here's, I'm gonna do two things. I will explain it here right now, but sometimes it gets confusing without seeing it. So I will also make a tutorial video, but you just use your Apple ID and then on Apple podcasts, you go to the podcast by searching for it and then you can leave a review right down there. So again, feel free to just drop us those five stars. Um, but if you wanna write a review in addition, you can do that right underneath by saying write a review. So. I will make a little video and attach it to this episode in addition to posting on the Facebook group. All right, cool. Okay, so analysis paralysis. Okay, so I um, want I want to kick off because we'll go. okay, go. While I'm sitting here or doing the podcast, I'm remembering a note I got 45 minutes ago. <laughs> the exec said, uh, "A lot of what you were pitching felt familiar, but like in a good, satisfying way." And I'm, now I'm like, what does that mean? Does it mean, is it, um, does it mean that <laughs> it's actually a note about I took the easy way out and I'm just copying tropes? Does it mean <laughs> that I can't do that thing that I really, really liked because I thought it honored the tone of the show in a way, like I did it on purpose, but maybe it's too familiar, which means tropey and canned. And so, yeah, so now I'm sitting here thinking like, where's the line? How many of those did I do? What can I actually keep? So yeah, as I'm sitting here doing the show, I have started to uh, overanalyze a meeting I just came out of and wondering now, should I just rip the whole thing apart? And the answer is no. I will give myself a beat and I will not let that take me down because I have to think about why I did that. And the reason I did that, those familiar tropes, I put them in because I want it to feel like a John Hughes movie. So I put John Hughes tropes in, not the stuff that's not awesome, <laughs> but like there are certain tropes that you see in like a junior high or a high school show. And I've subverted them a little bit, but like, I just need to be careful now how I use them and be aware of why I'm leaning on that, like at that particular moment. And does it, and is it emotional for the character to participate in that? And does it help the character's narrative? But like, instead of, oh my God, it's all wrong. I was too tropey. The reason I have to go back to the reason I did it, and I will try to hold on to that so that I don't blow the whole thing out because I like what I have. I found well, it very so did, satisfying. But this is what's amazing. So did the executives. I know, like, but like hearing like <laughs> somehow it's familiar means, oh God. No, I, I know. Did it I don't wrong, even know that know? executives or people giving notes understand the power of a word. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. That is a very a powerful energized word familiar because it's usually yes. not used that way however i do think it can be a plus like you said yes yes so your insight is seeing the overthinking as anxiety in essence and mm -hmm. uh 
expectation, I think is also a big part of analysis paralysis, at least for me, that my, either the team I'm working with, um, be that another writer, a director, an animation storyboard artist, head of story, whoever, or just my own imaginary self out there who I want to be, right? The expectation they hold of what you'll deliver, I can really freeze me up, right? And so in a weird way, I keep analyzing as some sort of insurance. <laughs> if I could just find the exact right analytical key to this, right? Uh, then it'll unlock it and I'll know exactly what to do to make it really amazing and I won't get these notes anymore or they'll be so impressed or whatever, right? Like I do, I can get lost in the analysis because it's easier for me. My brain loves to just go in and why don't we look at all of the TV shows that I, mm -hmm. that I like this spec pilot and see how they, which by the way, is a great analysis thing to do when it's time to do it. Like we had a girl on the, a woman uh, writer on the, uh, I believe it was a woman writer. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I, I, I think that was, uh, we had a writer on the Facebook page. See, look, I just analyzed myself freaking out. I, uh, <laughs> who said that she keeps getting the same note and she keeps rewriting this one point and she knows she's just not got the right thing that there's a blind spot there. And that for me is like, okay, go watch pilots that are in this, your favorites or this, and that, how do they handle that particular craft or story issue that you have, which is how to give enough to feel the arc is done. And yet you haven't closed off the whole show, right? That's a really specific thing, I think. Um, but yeah, generally I, I can get lost in my analysis as, cause I'm mostly afraid of the expectation and the weight of it. And mm -hmm. I find nothing else to do other than, sometimes I have to walk away. I don't know, I, I don't know. What do you, what, do, what are your thoughts of walking away? Usually sometimes I just have to force myself through it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you just try different things, right. And then you have to not beat yourself up. Right. So yes, sometimes you stick it, stick in it and you come up with something. Sometimes you stick in it and it just makes it worse. Sometimes you walk away and you come up with an idea. Sometimes you walk away and you do not come up with an idea. Right. But trying not to overanalyze that choice too. Right. Oh, if only I'd, if only I'd stayed writing, I know I would have figured it out because I didn't when I walked away. I think it's great to have multiple projects going on so that you can be like, you know what, I'm just going to go, go have fun with this other one for an hour, right? I'm not abandoning that one. I'm just going to go dig around in this one. That's more fun. and makes me feel like I know what I'm doing so that when I come back to this one, um, I can maybe feel more confident. I think it's about maybe tricking yourself or feeling more confident, yourself. getting, getting that back. You know, I think there are so many opportunities to tell yourself that it's not going to work or that it's going to be broken or that you're not good enough or just, it's so hard. I think, you know, I, or sometimes I in your analysis, you've come up with this, a great idea, this will work, but now you have to do it. You have to actually execute right. it at that level, yeah. right? Like the level in your head, right. Is, is yes. I, so much higher than what you're going to get on the page to start and that distance I think that's absolutely it. The difference between what's in our head and what we can get on the page is such a wide, what disconnect you said. So for me, I have to start writing, whatever it is, I have to start writing and writing it down. And then I'm like, oh, that doesn't quite work. And then I say it out loud and, oh, wait, I'm missing a piece. Like I'll pitch to my husband and then I have to keep writing and keep working it out. And it's the thing I really don't want to do because it's so good in my head, right? Like, oh, I have the pilot. I don't need to write it down. I'll just pitch it. And then I'm like, but wait, I don't, <laughs> you know? And then, so I have to write. I saw this thing that said, um, people with ADHD love uh, parentheses when they write and semicolon, you know, um, dashes and ellipses. I'm like, oh, that's exactly how I write. And I realized how I write an email is I just write like an email to my friend. I just write everything out, blah, 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 semicolons. And I don't know how to do grammar very well, but like parentheses and everything, I just write it all the way out. And then 3000 words later, the last sentence is what I actually want to say. So then I take that one and I put it up to the top and then I like read through the thing. And I'm like, oh, and then this is in the wrong order. And I put this over here and I reconstruct 
what I actually wanted to say with no parentheses and no ellipses in like four sentences. And then I cut it down to three after this massive screed of all of my thoughts, which is how I write screenplays too. I, I don't know how to do anything else and it's what works for me. I have to get it all out, you know? And so if I don't do that, then I get stuck, then I'm paralyzed. But once I'm in it, writing and writing and listening to my brain, then I, I can break something out of it eventually if I get to the end. Well, and I, I personally sometimes love to stay in the analysis part because it's someplace I feel comfortable. Hmm. I mean, there, there, listen, there's days that I'm like, I don't know what the answer to this analysis is, shit. But generally, uh, I feel comfortable. And in terms of that overthinking, and, and the, you know, writing is uncomfortable. You got to get out of the comfortable zone there. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't even realize I was an overthinker until I was working with Julie and Bonnie, who've been on our show for, as their producers. And, uh, you know, Bonnie just called me on it. I'm pretty sure it was Bonnie. He was just like, wow, overthink much? And I was like, what? What? And then, of course, I'm overthinking that I'm an overthinker. Right. Um, and I had to really own it. It's a thing you have to own. And it became a joke between all of us that they just know that I'm going to do it. Sometimes they call me out on it. Like you're doing it, but we know like there's no judgment in it. Like they know that's just me. That's just how my brain works. I'm going to overthink this and find every fucking angle on it possible. Um, which I think sometimes I'm doing to try to stay safe. Um, like if I can, figure out the politics of what's going to happen next and the dominoes that'll fall if you send that email you know what is the expectation and blah, blah, blah. so i'm over analyzing even sending that email um it's some sort of survival instinct of hyper vigilance right this hyper vigilance that comes over the rewrite right that if i need to have it all figured out and um sometimes you can get paralyzed because then where do you start if it all has to be perfect, it all has to be as good as it is in your head, where do you start? And so I think that's another interesting part of the overthinking uh, is to quiet it down. Sometimes what I do is I just pick something super narrow to start with. I mean, honestly, sometimes just opening a document and titling it is a good way to start uh, because now there's an open document. And maybe I'm going to, if I'm too overwhelmed, um, cut and paste a piece of a scene, or I'm going to, if I'm really, really stuck, I will start, my brain likes to, after all that analysis, start chunking it out in cards, right? Like just so there's, there's a little, there's a stone pathway. This rewrite's going to go on this pathway. Now, if you are like working with other people, you better go on that pathway. Cause that's what you said. But if you're by yourself and you don't, who cares, but just to get yourself started, if you're in paralysis, I try to narrow it down. I try to use the analysis brain to help find, you know what? Why don't I just write three scenes that I am excited to write, whether they work or not. Um, I just, you've got to find the door. Cause I do think that's the other issue, right? Like when you're in analysis paralysis and you're overthinking, you're not feeling very inspired. And so my question is, are you not inspired to do the rewrite? And I, again, I've said on this show a bazillion times, a, a professional writer does not have to be inspired to write because it's so rare, but sometimes you've so, it got, it's gotten so analyzed and so talked about that it's be kind of, it's kind of become flat and you've lost connection to that special juice that is not anything you can put into words or analysis because it's a totally different part of your brain and you've lost why you even want to do this. And so that trying to narrow it down to, to tap back into that, right? Even if it's just, you feel a slight inspiration to do this scene, or I kind of know what she's going to do here. And that could be fun. Like just start there to see if you can get it going again. I am still kind of stuck that there are people who don't overthink. Like, I don't know what? any. I don't, as writers, I don't know. Them. What do you I mean? Writer... <laughs> I think what do a... you mean by that? Well, Meg, like you recently, my sister told me that she doesn't have anxiety. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean you don't have anxiety? <laughs> I was well, like, don't you spin. stay up. I was like, don't you stay up at night and replay conversations you had from junior high? And she was like, no, <laughs> what are you talking about? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> it is, 
not all writers obviously need to do this, but I think a lot of them do. I mm-hmm. think it's part of the tap. It's part of the gift. Yeah. Part of the gift to be tapped into the universe and all this creativity is it doesn't just shut off. Right. Like part of my brain is like, shut it off right now. You do not need to use all that imagination to figure out all the shit right. that's going to go wrong. Like stop it, it. It's a, it's a train. It's like training the dog. And it's Which hard. is a really good point in that we don't need to fix ourselves of this if it does help us in the storytelling, but we do should encourage ourselves to figure out how to manage it, yeah, which is, I think, sets. what we're talking yeah. about it, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So like here, what are different strategies we can do? Just write, try this, try that, try that, but but um, something to break out of that paralysis. And, and stop and looking at the go. whole mountain. Stop looking at the yes. whole mountain because the analysis brain is just going crazy looking at that huge mountain you got to climb of your expectation and all the cards you did and all the notes you got and blah, 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 blah. And you've rewritten this already four times and this is the fifth time. And why should I even bother? Because look at that mountain. You can't. And also you just keeping have to look in at perspective that the one email, the one script, the one meeting that does not make or break your career, right? Though the the no. thing that you were putting all of your energy and overthinking and panic is like, that's not the end, right? And sort of being able to zoom out and know that this is a piece on the journey. So if you give all your energy to that one thing, you will blow yourself out and you will not be able to stay in it for the long haul because you cannot give that much energy to every single thing. So figuring out how to, you know, okay, it's not perfect, but I'm still gonna present this. You know, and you know, I think it's like what we talked about today with you, Lorian. So much of this is knowing yourself and accepting the overthinking. First, once you can accept, okay, I'm an analysis paralysis. I'm totally overthinking this. Okay, why? Why am I overthinking this? Well, because I'm really scared. And I can't reach up to the expectations. And okay, so then that let's go down that path and just go ahead and start writing right? Because you just got to jump that. It's a cavern. You got to jump it. Or maybe something is off and that analysis is not turning off because you have an unconscious instinct that something's still off. You've done all the cards, you've had all your notes, blah, 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 but it's something isn't right. And by right, meaning it's not the river, something in that unconscious part of you and maybe the analysis isn't driving it up because it is more personal. It is something you need to get down into the lava about. Maybe the lava is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, that's great, all of this analysis you've done and all of these people you've talked to and all these notes. But before you start, don't you wanna go down another layer and really look at this? Really, really look at that thing that you're avoiding? So that can also be part of the analysis. Like sometimes I just don't feel my feet are on the ground. That can be a craft issue. The first time you write a giant ensemble and you realize, fuck, I just don't have the experience to write eight characters in every freaking scene. So that might need some more analysis. Go look at the ensemble movies, get more tools. Now, again, you can hide there if you want because eventually you're gonna have to write it. But maybe that's actually happening. Maybe you actually do need something craft-wise, lava-wise. And the way to know that, like you're saying to me, well, Meg, how do I know that? I really, the way I do it, I think the way Lorian does it, is I talk to a friend. I just talk it mm-hmm. out. Go to lunch, say, I need a room. I need a padded room. I got to think this out. I just want to talk about it. Ask me questions. You're not here to solve it. I got to, and just talk and talk and talk. And I don't know, and it's going to come up. And if you don't have a friend to do with that, do morning pages. It's going to come up, whatever this is, that fear of that expectation, the maybe I'm not a writer anyways, crap that's happening, that's keeping you analysis. Is it a craft issue? Is it a lava issue? Is it a crackdown in the concept that that you're a writer, you're intuiting it? You are intuiting it. Nobody else is giving you the note, but you, goddammit, are a writer. You've intuited it. So you might just need to talk it out. And all of a sudden, I promise you, it's going to arrive or a piece of it will arrive and then go for it. Right. It's interesting. I always sort of, as I listen to you talk, Meg, on these recordings, I'm always thinking like, how does that apply to what I'm going through right now? And I'm thinking about this familiar note, this familiar note. And I, I think, you know what? 
I do want it to be familiar because I want to earn the, the audience's trust so that I can do crazier things in later episodes. But then I think, what if that's just a cop out for me not working harder to come up with a more clever way in the pilot? So like, I even when I come to the place of like, you know what, I have a way to defend myself, right? If somebody asks mm-hmm. me, that sounds smart. And I could talk about that in a pitch like, well, this is why. Um, but then I'm like, oh, maybe that's just me being I don't want to put my feet to the lava. I I just want to get this done. So I, I don't know that there's any way I can actually win other than just running out of time. <laughs> well, that is usually what happens to artists because that's just how it works. I mean, you could say, okay, I'm going to take the next hour. I'm going to take an hour this afternoon and I'm going to put my feet to the flame and see. Is that true what you just posited? That there is a twist on these archetypes based on my own personal experience of those archetypes, that not other TV shows, not John Hughes, but my experience with those archetypes. And maybe it's gonna end up being one character gets one new element, right? I don't know. And, or maybe after the hour, you're gonna be like, nope, nope, this changes everything. This is not the same show, I'm right. And then your brain might calm down. It might, you know, or just screw, just- Meg, your, your solution to everything is do the work. I just want to say how annoying that is. No, for real. Like I come at you and I'm like, oh my God, this, 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 and this, and this. And you're like, well, do, do the work. Ah, gross. Why isn't there just like, what is the word? A panacea? Is that the word? Like a, a cure? Oh, no. Like, where's the, there isn't. Where's, where is it? It's always do the work. Do the work. Oh, Listen, the work. I, I've been stuck in a character <laughs> that I cannot get the voice for so long. And because it's too familiar, it's too arch, it's too blah, 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 blah. Let's just mm-hmm. pick a word. Um, I do all kinds of crazy stuff to find inspiration. I go and look at comedians. I go and look at other characters. I go, I, I'll do anything analysis to, to just get some, just try shit, right? It all becomes your own eventually um, uh, and becomes part of you. But yeah, no, I know. It's, Who the it's work? a lot of work, this job Who we have. Work? Yes. Uh, Jeff, yes. what is your experience with analysis paralysis? Well, I'm so glad both of you identified. First of all, I'll share a very vulnerable story before I continue. Um, if you want to hear a hilarious and mortifying example of analysis paralysis, Meg, when you watched my movie, you sent me really warm feedback. And your oh, first shit. your first oh, note was, I loved it, especially the performances, which is a really nice thing to say. But here's what to I To a director who I had know. to get the performances it was, from- First of all, it was a beautiful note. I'm. This is all about my own shit. So this has nothing to do with you. My thought was, oh no, she loved the performances. She didn't like the writing. Because <laughs> I'm a crazy person. I was talking to the writer. I was talking to the director. I know. Trust me, this has nothing. This is, that's a very kind and generous. And you had other things you said too, but it just shows how we spiral. So that's just me. I thought that'd be kind of funny to share on the show. I love um, it. But I- I think what I'm really glad both of you acknowledged is that like this analysis overthinking thing is actually our superpower as writers. Like it's, it's imagination. It's all of the plot threads that we could be putting into our work rather than our own lives. So like, I think this might sound cheesy, but I think like acknowledging it and saying like, thank you overthinking brain. You will be so helpful when I'm on the page and I am thinking of ideas for my characters. So thank you for existing. But now you need to be quiet because I have to work. So I don't think that's cheesy. I think I do it every day. Thank you very much. Yeah. I know you're trying to protect me. Right. I know you're trying to save my life. But right now, I need to take that energy that you're sucking up and I need to put it down on mm-hmm. the on the page. And here's the thing. Finally, 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 as much as I, you know, whinge in, about uh, rewriting, you do get that moment where you're like, oh my God, I didn't see that coming. Something new arrives, something fun and strange and who knows if it's going to be there tomorrow but it showed up today and it gave insight and things are starting to fit together and but you can't even get there if you're just stuck in the analysis over on the other side there is a piece of overanalyzing on the page too right i have a scene and i will go in and like okay i'll I'll rewrite this line and rewrite this line and oh and then move this over here and then this over here and then you've unraveled something and then you go back to fix it again. It was like, what was wrong with the scene in the first place? Did it accomplish the things that you needed it to accomplish? Right? Because it's like, what are you really doing here? Are you delaying yourself from sending it to somebody? 
Are you, you know, having fear about a character? Like, are you picking at something that actually needs to be fixed or are you just noodling because you don't have confidence in what you've done? And so it's, it's sort of figuring out, I was doing that too, a little bit in this pilot, like I'll rearrange this wide. And it's like, at the end of the day, rewriting a, a line of dialogue at the end of a scene from, you know, three words to four words, it doesn't, it didn't change anything in the pilot, the character, the narrative, anything. I was just sort of overthinking everything. Oh, if that's, if that line doesn't work, then maybe this line doesn't work. And then I need to look at this over here when she says this and is that consistent. And, you know, so stop. <laughs> I also stop. think overthinking can arrive when something else in your life is uh, having trouble. That has nothing stop to do with looking at me. How I'm dare you? Oh I'm my God, stop. Oh my God, why are you looking at me? I just think because it's an easier thing to spin about than maybe what's actually spinning you out. That it's too, that is too big or doesn't, uh, you know, you know, I have a special needs kid. This happens. Sometimes that spin of that can get really big and it's much easier for me to stamp around and yell about my writing, right? Than it is to go over and sit in that lava pit over there that has nothing to do with my writing. So sometimes you got to look at that too and give yourself a break. You have something big going on in your life and it's going to bleed into things, right? But it would be great, I guess, what I try to do is just take a breath and let the writing be a refuge if it can be, right? Uh, or a place to express that thing that's going on. And maybe if if you're feeling that in your life, start writing morning pages as a place to dump it so that you can clear the path for the other uh, creative work uh, that doesn't need that spin in it necessarily. And maybe if you're writing morning pages, that lava will come up and start to unconsciously feed, right? In a beautiful way, um, the writing, but that can also happen. And, you know, as usual on this show, what our, our, the solution is self-knowledge and looking, accepting where you are, right? And um, which is why I love the question from Kendall saying, I'm, I'm in it. Like, what do I do? Like, so great. You're in it. You can, that's the first step, right? And then it's the question, why? Why are you in it? Right. What road do you need to take next? And you can try different things to get yourself out. The yeah. one thing you don't want to do is stay paralyzed. You just need to move in any direction. I'll go for a walk. I'll call a friend. I'll go eat some chips. I'll you have. I'll write this. I'll read a book. But sticking in your head and continuing to grind on this these ideas is not what's going to get you out of it. You must yeah, move. Must yeah. move anything. Be Just gentle to get back with yourself into that too. unconscious yeah. creative experience, right? That's in your body mm -hmm. and not your brain. Mm -hmm right? Because mm -hmm. that part of your brain that's analysis paralysis is not the writer, right? You got to go get access back to the writer. I mean, Lauren, you have beautiful exercises that you do in your seminar be for this mm -hmm. very reason to try to mm -hmm. dip back into that writer side, whether it's linear or quote unquote fits in your script or not. That's not, that, that's the analysis side wanting, bah, wanting that linear. Where does it fit? Right. Where does it work? Make it work. Well, that ain't writing. Writing ain't ABC. Writing is a swirl, right? Um, and it's a spiral. Um, and I think an easy way, if you're feeling profoundly stuck, you had an idea. And so there's something there you like. It gets hard when you start to unpack that idea and you realize it's broken. First of all, like, of course it's broken. You won't find the idea until you actually write. But like just the one thing, if it's a character, let that character talk. If it's a scene, write only that scene. If it's a world, write a treatment about what excites you about that world because that's the one thing you like right now that gave you the idea. So just chase that. Don't worry about anything else. Pretend it doesn't exist and doesn't need to exist. And then when you have something, slowly other things will show up. But just the thing you like, just go to that. And I love that word broken because it's such, we all use that word in such a, a, a derogatory way, right? Well, it's broken. And it's like that beautiful quote who now I can't remember who said it. Um, well, oh, isn't it Leonard Cohn? The broken parts let the light in. You're, you, part of the writing process is it's broken. That is part of the process. And if you can't do that, I don't know how you're gonna write. You have to just say, well, here we are. We're at the broken phase. <laughs> just here we are. 
Base camp number 562, broken. We've been here before at a different level, different place of the mountain, but we've been broken before. Like you have to break it. That is the job of rewriting, break it. Break the freaking thing and rediscover it. Um, and it's hard. I'm not saying it's not easy. It's hard. And it's really hard when you're in a rewrite and you start to get this little tingly, spidey sense of, uh-oh, I don't know if this is going to work. This might be broken still. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, but you, the only way you find out is you finish it. So I just don't, I think that sometimes people can get into analysis paralysis because of their judgment about themselves as writers. Yeah. Uh, I read a, I think I saw, that's very dangerous. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. There's a goddess, and I think um, it's Indian. I'm not sure. Please correct me if I'm wrong here, but her name means never not broken, meaning it's the it's how we are. We're never perfect. We're never fixed. We are never not broken. And when I heard that, I so resonated with me because instead of me always trying to fix what's wrong with me, it's acknowledging that that's just the way I am. And that I don't have to say broken is bad. It's just, I'm, I'm never going to be some other version of myself. <laughs> this yeah, is it, you and, know? and the truth is most, most people who need power convince you that brokenness is bad. That's how they do it. Mm -hmm. To sell you something, mm -hmm. to keep you as a woman under the patriarchy, whatever you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. If something's wrong with you and you're broken, like you have to dig maybe into what is not you, a person, me dig into why is it not okay to be broken? And as a writer, yeah. as a creative, as an artist, that's the whole ball game, people. That's yeah. where the lava is going to come up. So, and it, yeah. it's, and it comes it, from this goddess comes from, she's constantly living in flux, pulling herself apart, living in different constant selves, right? So she's constantly rewriting herself in a way. So yeah. it's right, like this, um, you're always ripping it apart. You're always building it back up. And that takes self-awareness and self-knowledge and acceptance, right? And scary and sad and, you know, all the things, but it's about um, change and disruption and being able to sort of put yourself back together. Um, I love so, that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I, and I need to figure out what her name is and um, all the stuff so I can be more. Well, um, I'll put it on the Facebook page because I, I want an image of her. I found a it. great art, Lori. First of all, you nailed it. It is a Hindu goddess. So check one for one. I found a great article. I'm not going to try to pronounce this because speaking of things that I don't want to try to do on air for the first time, but I will link an article that's unpacking everything you're talking about. What a beautiful metaphor. You know, it's funny because it just taps into the other thing I hear from emerging writers you know, which is they're afraid to write because of that expectation, because they'll just feel like it's broken, because they'll have to look at themselves and um, <clears throat> that it's different from what's in their head on the page. So that's why they're not writing, because then if they have to confront that, maybe they're not a writer and they can't write, which is ironic because you're not writing. So either way you go there, you're not writing. So you might as well at least attempt it. And here's the other secret. There is no officer of the story writing gods who's going to show up and say, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to be a writer. That was such a bad script that you have, we have revoked your writer privileges. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Okay, maybe your asshole friend who's doing that to you all the time is going to show up and say something like that. By the way, I want to know why you have that friend and you keep giving them things. Maybe uh, you're going to have a bad meeting. I don't know, but it doesn't matter because that, that, that officer of the story world is not showing up. You get to go again as much as you want. So just write, guys. Just step outside of the analysis and write. And I want to echo what you said earlier about calling a friend, calling your community, leaning on the people around you because they can reflect who you are back to you when you get lost in a way that you won't always be able to see as clearly as you want to when you're in that paralysis mode, which is why I call you Meg, because you call me on my shit, but you also reflect the good back to me and remind me that I am a writer and that I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, and and I, I call you. So there we go. You got to have yeah. your, your tribe. Yes. Well, thanks you guys so much for listening. Um, 
please come over to the TSL Facebook group. It's a beautiful place to meet other writers and find additional support outside of the show. And uh, we also have a lot of TSL things happening this week. Yesterday, we recorded a virtual story workshop um, for Patreon. And so that'll be on our um, Patreon feed. So if you haven't checked it out yet, hop on over there and look at it. Oh, and it'll be in the description of the show this week. Is that right, Jeff? That is right. I'm going to put that and uh, um, unpacking of this Hindu goddess Lorraine brought up. So two okay. exciting Easter eggs in your description below. And if you want to catch us in person, we'll be doing two in-person workshops at the San Luis Obispo Film Festival this Sunday. We'd love to meet you there. Um, and there's more information in the description as well. And remember, you are not alone and keep writing. Thanks for tuning in to the Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash the screenwriting life or email us at the screenwriting life at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it. And not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.